Chapter Nine of the Forgery by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine. It is my full and firm belief that if, on any given day of any given year, you were, dear reader, to take the accurate history of any five square miles, not exactly a desert, upon the solid surface of the earth and examine with a microscope the acts and deeds the circumstances the accidents and the fate of the people upon it you would find strange romances enough going on to stock a library look into a cottage what will you find perhaps a romance of love and tenderness struggling with sorrows difficulties and penury perhaps a broad farce of a quarrelsome wife and a drunken husband perhaps a tragedy of sin crime and misery look into that stately mansion the house of a great merchant what is there it may be the comedy of a purse-proud affectation it may be the tale of the tenderest affections and highest qualities or it may show that agonizing struggle which the falling man makes to sustain himself upon the edge of the precipice at the foot of which he is soon to lie dashed to pieces a romance is but a microscopic view of some half-dozen human hearts the above observations may apparently be wide of the subject but still there must be some link of association between them and what is to follow as they naturally occurred to my mind when considering how i could best tell the events which are about to be related perhaps it was that i thought it somewhat strange that at the very moment when the conversation took place which has been detailed in the last chapter one of the personages therein mentioned was up to the neck if i may so express it in an adventure which though trifling in itself was destined like many another trifle to work a great effect on the destinies of many it was a beautiful evening then about the twenty seventh of may the spring had been somewhat rainy and boisterous and the few preceding days though clear had been cold especially towards the afternoon but it would seem that winter had puffed forth his last blast for the summer had got full possession of the day and held it to the end the birds which had been nearly silent on the twenty sixth were now in full song the wild flowers starred the wood walks and the banks and if a cloud came over the blue sky it was as soft and fleecy as a lamb's first coat under the summer heaven there was a very beautiful lane an english country road running between two banks on the top of each of which keeping parallel with the road was a paling above which again spread the arms of tall trees holding their broad leafy fans over the head of the traveller below by the distance of the boles of the old elms and beeches from the fence which guarded them it appeared as if there was a good broad walk within the boundary and when the banks at the end of a quarter of a mile slanted down so as to bring the paling nearly to a level with the lane that walk might be seen together with a view over the well-rolled gravel to a green and shady park dotted with fallow deer coming down the lane was a carrier's cart with the drag on for there was a somewhat steep descent and the road was as smooth as a ballroom floor and at the bottom of the hill where the carrier stopped to remove the shoe was a gentleman who also paused and asked him some questions in the meantime somewhat higher up and within the enclosure 
as if taking an evening walk was a lady a young and very beautiful lady with some traces of mourning about her apparel although its general hue was light there was a certain harmony between her dress and her air and expression for though the dark hazel eyes and the rich glossy brown hair the warm healthy cheek and the arch lips of the small mouth had altogether a cheerful look yet there was a shade of melancholy thought in maria monkton's fair face as she walked through the scenes where every object that she saw every step that she took was full of memories of early days and childhood's joys and friends departed they are always melancholy pleasures those of memory for they are the rays of a star that has set with her eyes bent down then and a slow step she walked on took a little path to the left through the trees till it led her to the more open part of the park and then stopped to gaze over the scene the broad lands which she saw were all her own the herds of deer were hers that was her mansion an angle of which peeped over the old oaks but yet the sight and the knowledge were not altogether pleasurable though it might seem that they ought to have been so there was a feeling of loneliness in it all of the heart's loneliness it was quite a woman's sensation she would rather have had all she saw another's and herself too yet it was by no means that craving after marriage which some women feel for she certainly had not been without many an opportunity of gratifying it had she been so inclined but she wished that all she saw had been a father's still a mother's anybody's but her own and that she had not been a solitary being on the earth with so much wealth such great responsibilities and so little kindred sympathy her thoughts were of her father and her mother of the companions and friends of her childhood and of every one who had shared those happy hours which like the flowers of spring are far more beautiful than the fruits of summer and in the scenes where she had known so much happiness the very memory of those whom she had loved seemed dearer to her than the presence of any whom she still knew she felt that her mood was not for the wider scene and she turned back into the narrower paths the green soft shades of which suited better with the humour of the moment she had gone on for about a quarter of a mile still buried in thought when she heard a step and looked up the path wound a good deal in its course so that seeing no one upon it and being within ten or twelve yards of the lane she fancied that the footfall must have been upon the road the next instant however just at the turn within a few feet of her she beheld a stranger maria was not by nature cowardly nor what is vulgarly called nervous she had no bad habit of screaming at trifles or jumping at the banging of a door but she certainly did start at this sudden apparition and for a moment hesitated whether she should go on or turn back an instant's consideration however was sufficient to make her resolve to follow the former course it is ridiculous to be frightened she thought remembering that there was a stile and one or two gates into the lane he has probably come to see the steward or some of the people at the house and after a just perceptible pause she walked on merely glancing her eye over the stranger's form as she did so that glance showed her nothing to be frightened at for there is certainly something in air and mien and general appearance which although devils will take angels forms at times 
has a powerful effect upon that very unreasonable thing human reason briefly as her eyes were turned towards the person before her they had no time to scan him very accurately but still she saw at once three very important facts that he was very well dressed that he had the bearing and look of a gentleman and that he was a remarkably handsome man though very dark in the meantime what was the stranger about he too had suddenly paused and he looked for a moment irresolute the next instant however he advanced straight towards the beautiful girl before him and raising his hat with a graceful inclination of the head he said i fear i am trespassing may i ask if these are the ground of the earl of milford all maria's little tremor was at an end and she looked up frankly replying no these are mine harley lodge is on the other side of the road but and she stopped and hesitated not knowing whether to tell the stranger abruptly of lord milford's death or not you were going to add something said the stranger after having waited a moment for the conclusion of the sentence i was merely about to ask who it is you wish to see replied maria for i fear you will find nobody there but servants and she blushed a little as she spoke it is strange said the gentleman a carrier i met just now told me that on this side was harley lodge and that the opposite property belonged to miss monkton he was mistaken i assure you answered maria with a smile at the doubt he seemed to entertain i am miss monkton this is bolton park i do not doubt you of course said the stranger the man was very stupid so to mislead me but to answer your question it was the earl i wished to see and if not himself lady milford or lady anne maria's brow grew dark it is long i imagine she said raising her eyes to the stranger's very handsome face it is long i imagine since you have seen any of the family sir and many sad changes take place in a few years the stranger started evidently alarmed the earl he asked is the earl i am sorry to pain you said maria much struck by the agitation he displayed but he has been dead some years and lady milford also how they go out said the stranger with a deep sigh how they go out what go out asked maria in some surprise hopes said the other in a tone of such deep melancholy that she felt there must be some very painful feelings awakened by the words she had spoken and she gazed at her companion's face attentively as he remained with his eyes bent upon the ground a sudden fit of trembling seized her but the next moment he looked up and their eyes met i beg your pardon miss monkton he said i will not detain you longer if you will merely tell me which is my best way to reach harley lodge for i must go up to the house at all events i will show you if you come with me said maria in an agitated tone but there is no one there lady anne is in london i should like to go at all events said the other turning to walk on by her side i suppose you were well acquainted with the late earl said maria after a pause and i am afraid the news i have had to give you is very painful i knew him well replied the stranger and have met with many acts of kindness at his hands i should be most ungrateful were i not deeply grieved at hearing of his death 
but let me speak of a pleasanter subject miss monkton in a few days i shall have the honour of claiming your acquaintance upon a better foundation than at present at least if i am not mistaken he added hurriedly in supposing you the daughter of the late sir edward monkton i have a letter for you from my friend charles marston and one also for lady fleetwood am i right oh yes replied maria i shall be very happy to hear from my cousin it is seldom he does any one the favour of writing have you seen him lately about six months ago answered her companion but i must explain the cause of my long delay in delivering his letters i then intended to visit england directly but other affairs intervened which called me back to spain and i only arrived in this country the day before yesterday have you resided long in spain asked maria very many years was the reply ever since i came from mexico when i was a mere boy maria looked down upon the path and fell into deep thought while the stranger went on to say i have travelled in many countries it is true but spain i look upon almost as my native land she made no answer but still walked with her eyes bent down and the stranger gazed at her unobserved with evident admiration and well indeed he might for in whatever lands he had rambled he could not have seen anything more lovely after a brief pause however as she still remained silent he said by the way i have marston's letter in my pocket-book and may as well deliver it at once to prove to you that your kind courtesy miss monkton is shown to a gentleman oh i do not doubt it in the least replied maria looking up brightly and then she added in a very marked tone i never doubt i never have doubted or suspected in my life the stranger looked full into her eyes and then he in turn fell into a fit of thought an instant after he roused himself with a start and taking out his pocket-book produced the letter he had mentioned maria took it and read merely the address miss monkton by the hands of colonel francis middleton i will read his epistle by and by colonel middleton said maria stumbling a little at the name have you known my cousin charles long yes he answered at once and then correcting himself added that is to say eighteen months or more but there are some men easily known and marston is so frank and open that we became intimate from a very early period of our acquaintance i wonder said maria that he did not tell you the history of your friends here which would have spared me the pain of giving you evil tidings there was again something peculiar in her tone and her companion's cheek grew somewhat red showing more distinctly a scar across his cheek which was visible but that was all while his face retained its ordinary dark brown hue it did not occur to me to ask him he replied with some degree of embarrassment and both he and maria fell into silence again for a few minutes at length maria asked do you intend to visit london soon i return to town to-morrow and i am sure lady fleetwood will be most happy to see you i go to-night replied frank middleton and maria fell into a reverie once more a minute or two after they reached a little summer-house at the top of the bank overhanging the fence beside it was a small gate in the park paling with stone steps descending to the road and maria laid her hand upon the latch but paused ere she raised it as if irresolute the next moment however she opened the gate and pointed up the road saying 
about a hundred yards farther on you will find a stile which will lead you by a little path straight to harley lodge you cannot mistake the way her companion gazed at her earnestly while she spoke and for a moment or two after and then thanking her for her kindness and apologizing for his intrusion in words of course but with tones that spoke much more passed out of the gate drew it after him gave her one more look as if he would fain have impressed her features on his mind for ever and descended the steps maria stood like marble where he had left her and her cheek had become like marble too she trembled and her eye was strained eagerly but sightless upon the ground she raised her hand to her head as if to still the agitated thoughts within and then the next instant she stretched out her hand to the gate and threw it open exclaiming henry henry the other turned gazed at her sprang up the steps and taking both her hands in his replied by the one word maria oh henry sobbed maria monkton overcome by agitation i must speak to you i must talk to you before before you act so rashly for your own sake for heaven's sake think of what you are doing angel said her companion gazing at her with deep tenderness and do you still remember me do you still take an interest in me in me the outcast the exile the friendless the forlorn in me whom you must whom you do believe criminal no henry no exclaimed maria a generous glow spreading over her face i do not believe you criminal i never did neither did my dear mother we knew you better i am sure you are as innocent as i am thank god for that said henry Haley. there were then some who did me justice and they the noblest and the best oh maria the most painful part of a terrible situation has been to think that those whom i loved and esteemed the most would cast me from their affection and look upon me as criminal and dishonoured oh no cried maria few did of those who knew you but i must do an imprudent thing henry and ask you to go back to the house for i am too much agitated to talk to you calmly here and yet indeed i must reason with you as to what you are going to do henry looked at her with a smile but he accompanied her without reply for it was an invitation that he would not refuse and yet he knew that her arguments in regard to his future conduct would be in vain for he had made up his mind and was not one likely to change through the fair scenery amidst which they had so often walked and played in childhood those two took their way some object at every step awakening memories of the hours when they were the happiest and more than once maria looked up to her companion's face and asked do you remember this or do you remember that and he ever did remember right well and added some incident which showed how clearly the whole was in his recollection oh it is very pleasant when two old and dear friends long parted are reunited to talk over old times and scenes and let butterfly memory flit from flower to flower in the past but doubly sweet when the recollections are those of happy childhood without a stain upon their white garments which regret might vainly wish to clear away soothing and cheering are such themes and by the time they reached the house maria felt that she could talk to her companion of almost anything 
without fearing that agitation which had made her seek the shelter of her own dwelling nevertheless she thought it better to follow her first plan and though the door was not locked she rang the bell and led the way for her visitor into the library the first object which struck his sight was a large picture of lady monkton and walking up to it he gazed at it earnestly for a minute or two when he turned round there was a tear in his fine dark eye and taking maria's hand he kissed it saying she was ever kind to me and to all henry said maria her own eyes running over but to me especially he replied she loved you very much answered maria with a sigh but now tell me she continued seating herself what you are going to do for indeed i feel so terrified at seeing you in this country that i could not let you go away without expressing my fears for your safety at first i felt so bewildered at finding one living whom i had long believed dead that i did not know how to act i do not think any one but you will recognize me said henry Haley. how you came to do so i cannot conceive for your cousin charles has associated with me for months without showing the slightest remembrance of me that is strange replied maria he was your schoolfellow and friend too it is true yet i was much more frequently here or at the lodge than with him said her companion we were in different forms at school and moreover i believe women's eyes are quicker and their memory of friends better than men's would you not have remembered me asked maria a little unfairly perhaps anywhere instantly replied henry eagerly but you are very little changed comparatively this gash upon my cheek those large whiskers and this tanned skin i thought would have concealed me fully maria shook her head and he went on to ask if she had recognized him directly no she answered but very soon your height and figure being so much changed together with the other circumstances you have mentioned as well as the conviction that you have been long dead blinding me at first but after a few words you looked at me as you sometimes used to do when we were boy and girl and then a sudden feeling for i cannot call it anything else came over me that it must be henry for a little time i dared not look at you again but when i told you of lord milford's death and you stood gazing at the ground with the eyelids drooping over the eyes i became quite sure and trembled so that i could hardly support myself they were pleasant words to the ear of henry Haley. they were indeed very sweet to any man and under almost any circumstances they might well be so for the deep interest of a beautiful and amiable being like that could surely never be a matter of indifference and such emotions as those words betrayed could not exist without a deep interest but in henry they excited very peculiar feelings in long homeless wanderings in strange turns of fate and struggles with the world in sorrows and reverses in prosperity and distress he had still asked himself do those loved so dearly still remember me with affection or do they hate and contemn me or have they forgotten me as amongst the dead amongst those he thought of when he put such questions to his own heart certainly maria monkton had ever been prominent as i have shown when he fled from england though not yet sixteen he was much more manly in thought and feeling than most boys of his age 
he had loved maria almost as a brother might love he had thought her the most beautiful as well as the most amiable of creatures it is true and perhaps he might have gone on only loving her with brotherly love if he had never been separated from her when however in after years he had suffered his mind to rest upon the past when he had asked himself does maria remember me still and when he had wondered what she was like then there had mingled with such thoughts tenderer and more imaginative feelings he had thought perhaps if i had remained and all gone well maria might have become my wife and then the beautiful eyes that he remembered and the sweet smile and the many affectionate looks of the past would return to the sight almost as distinct and clear as if her face were still before him he knew not when to save a father he abandoned his country and encountered danger sorrow and despair how much he really loved the girl who now sat beside him again but he had discovered it afterwards and now how sweet how very sweet it was to find that her bosom could thrill with such emotions on his account he gazed on her face while she spoke but when she paused he bent down his eyes again and let the mind plunge into a sea of memories maria suffered him to think for a few minutes believing that his mind was busy with the circumstances of his present situation and future fate she had none of that grasping vanity which makes many a woman believe that each male companion must be thinking only of her she had never asked herself one question as to what might have been henry's feelings to her or hers to him had he remained in england she had only thought of him during his long absence as the dear companion of her childhood and her early youth as one excellent amiable and noble who by some strange mysterious fate which she did not try to scan had been destined to sorrow undeserved disgrace and early death a whole crowd of tender regrets it is true had gathered round his memory like flowers showered upon a tomb and it is likewise true that the character of henry hayley as she had conceived it and decorated it with her own fancies had served her as a touchstone to try that of other men but still she never fancied that she had loved him otherwise than merely as a brother she let him think then for a short time but at length she said well henry what do you intend to do is not your presence in this country dangerous to you for you must now see that many may recognize you none but you said henry no none but you oh yes indeed replied his companion there is at least one who will do so i am sure i mean lady anne we have often talked of you together and i am quite sure she will at once remember you perhaps indeed you intended to tell her as you were going to her house no certainly not answered henry there were only two to whom i proposed to acknowledge my own name unless i acknowledged it at once to all the world her father and yourself to her father because as the kindest friend i ever had i intended to ask and follow his advice as to my conduct to you maria because i would not have quitted england again without telling you how i have thought of you how i have remembered you how i have blessed you for all the kindness you once showed me for all the happiness you poured upon my happiest days maria's cheek turned somewhat pale and after pausing for a moment henry went on saying lady anne mellant will not remember me 
depend upon it maria shook her head you are mistaken she said i am quite sure she will she has your portrait and it is still very like my portrait exclaimed henry hayley impossible dear maria i only sat for my portrait once and that was to saunders for a miniature for my poor father she has it at all events replied maria with something like a sigh perhaps she bought it at poor mr hayley's sale that is very odd said henry under such circumstances i had better not call at all yet even if she did recognize me it could do no harm no one now living dear maria knows who i really am but yourself no one can prove it but you to whom i have acknowledged the fact and with you he added laying his hand gently upon hers i know i am as safe as if the secret still rested in my own breast people might suspect people might feel sure but yet no one i repeat could prove that i am any but frank middleton an officer in the service of spain and i can prove that i am what i am not beyond all possibility of refutation the son of an english gentleman and a spanish lady brought up in italy and serving long in the spanish army maria looked bewildered this is very strange she said i do not comprehend it every one here certainly thinks you dead and indeed i now remember the officer saw you lying apparently a corpse and a certificate of your death was sent over by the consul i do not wish henry to inquire into anything that you may wish to conceal but still still i can have nothing to conceal from you he answered the strange part of my history is very soon told and explained first as to my innocence maria a few words will clear that up at once and he lowered his voice to a sad tone my father forged your uncle's name in a moment i believe i trust of madness he sent me to get the money for the draft without my knowing anything of the deed he then dispatched me on a long journey to seek the means of paying the sum he had so wrongfully obtained before the draft came due furnishing me with several of the notes which had been given him for the draft and which were doubtless used to prove my guilt on my return from the north he told me all and left me the choice of seeing him executed as a felon or flying from the country and bearing the load of suspicion myself i hastened on to ancona but having caught a fever by the way i was carried almost insensible not to the hospital but to the franciscan monastery in the town there were several irish monks in the brotherhood and one of them nursed me with the utmost tenderness i told him all under a solemn promise of secrecy and proved to him my innocence when the officer arrived in search of me i was rapidly recovering but in the same monastery was the son of a spanish lady the wife of a mr middleton who had separated from her husband and who fearing on her deathbed that her son would be brought up as a protestant had placed him in concealment with the monks he had caught the same fever for it was then raging in that part of italy and on the very night the officer first applied to the gates in order to have me delivered up the poor boy died the monks consulted together and agreed to shelter me against pursuit in the hope i believe of ultimately converting me they removed me from the cell where i had been placed carried the dead body of the poor lad thither and passed it for mine both upon the officer and the consul thus i escaped pursuit and in the cemetery at ancona stands a little tomb 
inscribed with the name of Henry Haley. "'Ah, but tell me more, Henry,' exclaimed Maria. "'What became of you then?' "'Does it interest you?' he asked with a sad smile. "'Well, then, I will sketch out all. "'I remained in that monastery three months longer, "'the good months instructing me diligently in the Roman Catholic faith.' "'Maria's countenance fell, but Henry went on. "'At length there came a letter from the uncle of Mrs. Middleton, in Spain, demanding his niece's child should be sent to him with a promise that he would provide for it the monks accordingly sent me with instructions to personate the poor boy but i had resolved what to do for although their ideas did not permit them to see any evil in the deceit which they said would confer much happiness on the uncle as well as ensure my own safety yet i could not make up my mind to benefit by a cheat the old man received me most kindly but was surprised to find how little Spanish I knew, for I had learned only the mere rudiments in the convent, and as he could speak no other tongue, I was obliged to wait for more than six months ere I could tell him the whole, as I had resolved to do. During that time he conceived the greatest affection for me, sent me to a college, treated me as his heir, and lavished every sort of kindness upon me. It was all terribly painful but at length finding myself sufficiently master of the language to tell my tale i took an opportunity when he was alone brought him every present he had made me money jewels trinkets all and then informed him of the facts he was struck and very much affected and for some minutes seemed not to know how to act but at length he threw his arms round me and said dear boy you shall not suffer for your honesty say not a word of this to any one and be still to me a son and did you become a roman catholic asked maria somewhat sadly henry gazed at her for a moment with a look which she found difficult to interpret there was something almost reproachful in the expression and yet something joyful too it might perhaps have been interpreted do you doubt me and yet your very doubt shows that you do take a deep interest in my fate no maria no he answered had i done so i might have been now one of the wealthiest men in spain almost the first question asked me was regarding my faith you are not perhaps aware that no very strict religious notions of any kind have prevailed in my poor father's house and i had obtained but little religious instruction there neither was my new my adopted father a bigot but still he was a roman catholic and when I told him that I had been brought up as a Protestant, he, like the good monks, insisted that I should receive instruction in his own faith. Of course, to that I could not object, but the instruction was interrupted. He was obliged to go to Mexico and took me with him, but I had learned to inquire for myself, and my inquiries left no doubt. I had at first a difficulty in obtaining books on any side but one, but in Lima, whither we afterwards went i found several englishmen from whom i got all that was needful i took the bible and common sense and i could not be a papist south america was at that time in a state of great confusion and we returned to spain when i was about eighteen years old or a little more my adopted father reached his native land but with shattered health and a few months after he felt that he was dying at that last solemn moment he required me to tell him whether in sincerity and truth 
I could now embrace and keep the Roman Catholic faith. I answered him sincerely, and though grieved, he was not offended. He pointed out to me, however, that he could not leave the bulk of his fortune to a heretic. In fact, that his doing so might prove dangerous to myself by calling attention to facts regarding my opinions which had hitherto passed unnoticed he made his will the same night great wealth thereby passed to very distant relations who had every right to it and a more humble but still an ample share of his fortune came to me why he did not explain but probably in order to gain me good repute amongst the ecclesiastics of his own church he left several large sums to be distributed by me to religious establishments in madrid and toledo and as i took care to comply with his instructions in a liberal spirit after his death no inquiries were made at the time as to my religious views nor any observations upon my neglect of the forms of the romish religion i had entered the spanish army before my kind friend's death and ever since have been actively employed till political changes and some rumours respecting my creed which might have become dangerous induced me to go to italy where my first visit was to the monks of ancona i found that the good brother john who had been so kind to me was dead but he had left with another of my countrymen in the monastery the papers necessary to prove my real name and birth should it be necessary i have them safe but there is no copy of them and thus there is no one living but yourself who can prove that frank middleton is henry hayley i suppose that my fears proceed from inexperience said maria thoughtfully but yet i cannot feel so well assured as you seem to be henry and oh how i wish that you could boldly proclaim and clearly prove your innocence and take once more your place amongst us all free from even a suspicion i have had thoughts of attempting it he replied and upon that very subject it was that i intended to consult the earl of milford my poor father before i went furnished me with a paper in case i should be captured which i believed would be sufficient to exculpate me fully but i have looked at it often since and doubt that it would have the effect he therein takes the guilt upon himself and solemnly declares that i was perfectly ignorant of the whole transaction but the paper once form and drawn up at a moment of terrible agitation the handwriting has little resemblance to his usual clear and business-like hand will you be my adviser maria as i cannot obtain counsel of the earl willingly willingly would i she replied if i had judgment and knowledge enough to render my advice worth having but i shall see you again soon in london i suppose there we may have no sweet private moments such as we have here he answered with a voice shaken by some strong emotions in the record of ten long years i have much very much to tell to the only one in all the world to whom the thoughts and feelings and actions ay and fancies and dreams of all that period can be told oh maria you can form no idea of what has been the solitude of my heart during these long long ten years i have mingled with the world i have taken an active part therein i have associated with many had acquaintances and friends such as the world gives but in my own breast i have been lonely with all around me there has been no one link of sweet association no memory in common no interchange of early sympathy i could never refer to the sweet hours gone by i could never talk of those i had loved 
it was as if i were a creature of two existences one for the world in which i moved active eager bustling full of enterprise and danger and adventure but cold hard inanimate the other for myself alone still silent motionless confined to my own bosom but full of memories and visions kindly sympathies aspirations hopes loves all still living but entombed maria was very pale and her bright eyes were cast down but over her cheek as he ended a drop like a diamond rolled slowly she would not wipe it away she hoped he did not see it but he did and it was hard to restrain himself from kissing it off that fair cheek hark cried maria starting up there is a carriage coming who can it be compose yourself dear girl he answered be calm maria be calm remember i have brought you a letter from your cousin and oh maria remember also that you have given me an hour of the purest happiness my chequered life has ever known let that tranquillize the sad feelings which the sight of henry hayley has awakened ah but she said holding out her hand to him they are not all sad henry he pressed his lips upon the hand she gave and then she suddenly opened charles marston's letter and wiped the tear from her cheek the next moment the door was opened and lady anne mellant announced End of chapter 9